Welcome to Mountain View Church Audio, coming to you from the Wilderness City, Whitehorse, Yukon. We strive to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. Now, Peter in the epistle of 2 Peter is writing to Christians in Asia Minor who are primarily Gentiles, but living in a non-Jewish Gentile context. And they were under a lot of persecution. And in the second epistle of Peter, he discusses, uh, tries to uh, discuss their, their suffering, how to go through it, and things that they'll face in the world. And in the third chapter of second Peter, he says, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So you had these first century Christians who were primarily Gentiles and they were living in, a, uh, in Asia Minor, but amongst a very, very dark world. And they were being persecuted and uh, degraded and attacked even. You know, in the book of Acts, we see how the apostles were treated. Here it says that specifically that the scoffers were attacking their message, the message of the gospel, that, that they were denying that Christ was going to return. And you can imagine that being persecuted these first century Christians, of what it was like to go to their farm every day or go to the market every day and know that they could be persecuted, arrested, or beaten for their faith in Christ Jesus. You can imagine how they would have longed and yearned for the second return of Christ and how that would have affected them being uh, humiliated and degraded, being told that, well, you, I see what you, how you live for this, this new the Christ Jesus, but where is he? You say he's coming, nothing seems to change. And not only that, not only was Christ their hope, but the second coming of Christ had more tied up in it than just the, the, the rescue of, of Christ's sheep. When Christ returns, not only will he come for his elect, but also to judge the world. And that's very much part of the gospel, is that in our condemnation, Christ died for us, and we turn from sin and death unto life and righteousness in Christ Jesus. And as the lost world would mock Jesus Christ saying, Where, when is he coming back? What they were saying was, why should I? Why should I turn to Christ? I'm happy living in my adultery. I'm happy living in my sin. What would motivate me to turn to Christ? And so really when they scoffed and saying, Things are continuing as they were. You say Christ will return. There'll be the apocalypse and day of judgment, but everything just seems to be fine. They were undermining the entire faith of Christianity. And you can imagine how they felt. And, you know, for anyone living in 2020, things haven't changed that much. You know, we look at our world today and we see scoffers and mockers among us. You know, I myself think I've been to both a secular university and a Bible college. And I don't think they're that different. In the Bible college, we were trained to, to understand the scriptures and to draw close to Christ. That university degree seemed to be almost directed towards destroying and attacking Christ Jesus. 
It almost seemed like in classes had nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with any religion. Professors would go out of their way to attack the Bible, to attack, to attack God. And we see that not only you turn the TV on or you open your phone, there's some kind of message undermining our core values of the Bible of turning to Christ in faith and living a life righteously for him. The world is against this. And when they went to undermine us and attack us, and, you know, I even think of uh, friendly faces I grew up with. Bill Nye, the science guy, seems to hate Jesus Christ now. I didn't know he did when I was a kid, but he uh, has a, and has done a mission to attack Christianity. And this can really affect us if we're when to doubt our faith and to, to doubt why we're living for God. You know, we might be told to doubt whether Christ is coming back. You know, I've had people tell me, all kinds of strange things that they believe in aliens and they believe in all kinds of things. Then I say, well, okay. And they ask me, do you believe in that? I said, well, no, I'm actually just, my faith and trust is in Christ Jesus. And they, and they laugh, they laugh to my face. And I go, just the, the outward aggression that they have and the, the scoffing and the mocking. And that doubt can really affect us and make us shrink back sometimes and feel like, well, maybe am I right? Am I really... Am I correct to follow Jesus? Will he come back? And even if, even if we're not dealing with specifically an issue of like, is Christ returning? I believe this passage can walk us through the experience that these Christians had with doubt. Because not only could it be a scoffer in our life or a mock or someone saying, you know, oh, why do you believe that the Bible and believe in Jesus? It could be just in general. Something in our life has made us question, what are we doing? What are we, you know... I've sacrificed so much for Christ, but why? And I think this passage can really show us um, the experience of doubt. This is, this is real. It says in verse 5, For this they are willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So read this slowly. It says, For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. So pay attention if you go through this. It's going to make a lot of uh, mention to the heavens. The word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water, perished, but the heavens, verse 7, and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what the scoffers have is they have this thing entirely wrong. They look around and they say, well, where is Jesus? He's not coming. Why should I repent? Why should I turn to him in faith? I have no incentive. I can live how I want to. Here it says that the text is showing they don't get it. This world here, the earth, the heaven that we see and can touch was made by the word of God and held by the word of God, destroyed once in the flood by the word of God and is only held now until the next day of judgment by the word of God. What they're doing is here is they simply are looking away from God and they're all looking here. They're just looking here. And what they don't realize is that it's not... God proving himself in the world as God has acted in the world through his word. And that's why a lot of scoffers say a lot of things of, well, I'll believe Christianity if you can prove it. Prove the Bible. Prove God. Prove Jesus Christ. And they had that all wrong. 
the beginning of the narrative of redemption begins with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God does not attempt to prove himself or to justify himself. He is God. The Bible says a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, and you think that, oh, well, if only someone could uh, prove to me the Bible, I would believe it. And only prove to me Christ, I would turn from my sins. And only take Christianity seriously. If I could just be proved something, show me something I can touch and feel. And I think you need proof, but... It's an absolute lie. You know, the Bible says the heart is a deceitful and desperately wicked. You may tell yourself that, okay, but the Bible does say, it says, this is the condemnation. For light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. There's a part of the Bible where a man goes to, uh, Jesus tells us a parable in Luke chapter 16, where a man dies and goes to hell. Hey, I'm sorry, it's not a parable. It's an actual story. Hey, uh, it's a, uh, correct myself there. But a man wakes up in hell. And as he is in hell, he asks if someone could be sent back to tell his family about the, the condemnation that he's in. And he's told, he wouldn't believe if someone came back from the dead. They have Moses and the prophets. He says, no, no, no. If someone came back from the dead, they believe. And they said, no. If they don't believe Moses and the prophets, neither would they believe if one came back from the dead. Understand that if, if someone can argue and mock the gospel, they have heard enough of it to reject it. That if you aren't sure of the claims of Christianity, you have heard them and you willingly push them away. That make no doubt about it, that there is no middle ground here. That there is no, as someone say, oh, I'm just an agnostic, not sure. No, you are sure. You are sure you are not under the lordship of Christ Jesus. You can be sure of that. And, and think, well, I just haven't proved. No, you're caught up in this world. It's said here that, that the scoffers will come the last days walking after their own lusts. And when we, the, the, what the scoffers want to do is they want to pull you away from the word of God, which has created, hold, and will judge this world into this world. They want to pull you into their own territory. I think of like a crocodile, Okay. It's, you know, a pretty terrifying looking animal, but it lives in the water and it pulls animals into the water. So it wants to fight them on their territory, okay? And then you think a lot of scoffers want to say, well, we can discuss creation and things, but don't give me the Bible, okay? What they're doing is they're pushing you away to their own territory, to their fight on, uh, to, to pushing away God. No, no, no. For God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This story of redemption Justification, faith in Christ begins with God. Now, think, you think of your doubts. Think of, where am I looking? Am I looking at the word of God, which created this world and holds it and will judge it? Or am I looking to this world, this, this, this sin-cursed earth with the mockers and the scoffers? Am I doubting and having doubts of who God is and you know, who Jesus is and the claims of Christianity? Am I doubting of what I'm doing with my life? Am I, am I wasting if I'm serving Christ? Is it because of things that Jesus has said? Are you actually doubting what he said? Or is it because you're looking at their circumstances that you're in? The terrible things that are going on around you or the discouraging that are happening around you that's causing you to doubt. You know, should I continue on this path? And he continues here. It says here in verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. 
the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And again, the scoffers have it entirely wrong. Instead of, what they're saying here is, it has continued since the days of the fathers, everything continues as it was. That day after day after day, Christ doesn't come. This was in the first century. Hey, we're 2,000 years past that, okay? We're coming close in 10 years. It'll be, you know, I think close to the 2,000, uh, you call that year since Christ turned about 30, right? So it's been a long time. A lot of people say, well, this Bible, it's, thousands, it's literally thousands of years old, like thousands of years old. Why should I trust it? Things come and go all the time. Why should I trust your, you know, your belief in the Bible? It's just an old religious text. The Bible says here that don't be ignorant of this one thing. Be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. That time, the way we understand time, it doesn't bind God. It's never been an issue of time for him. That we, we limit ourselves with our short lifetimes of maybe 70 years. But God is completely outside of that. One day is nothing. A thousand years is nothing. And this is the root of idolatry. That what happens is, is we take God and we break him down into a mold that we try to understand on our level, like a man or an animal, that we cannot be content with God being who he is, that we try and reduce him into something else. And in this case here, the scoffers were saying, well, it's been a long time and Christ hasn't come back. Clearly, he's not going to come. What they're doing is they've created a man like God, an idol, if you will, a weak God. And the Bible is saying, no, time is completely irrelevant to him. Completely irrelevant. In fact, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not only, it's not that he's weak. In fact, he is in full control. And we only exist now in a time of grace where he is allowing his redemptive purposes to be fulfilled. He is allowing us me uh, and any other Christians who he wants to, to rescue from this world of sin to come to him and, and to join the kingdom of God. That's the only reason why we're here. And it is not because he has forgotten us. In fact, he is in more control than ever. He's extending out his graceful plan of redemption right now. And in fact, when we look away from God and we look to this, this world, what happens to us is not only that we, f we look away from God. In the process of it, we begin to forget God. Okay? While we look here, we begin to forget how mighty God is, what he's done in the past, who he is. You know, I think of maybe you have like a favorite ice cream or a favorite something, and you go for a long time without it, and you get a, try get a chance to try it. A lot of people might have, during COVID, stopped doing something they like to do, Right? Uh, they might like to have gone to a certain place which was closed down. I mean, I, I walked in a marble slab and I first came back to the Yukon and couldn't sit down. And I just miss sitting down in restaurants. Okay? I really do. I missed a lot of simple things since COVID started. But it'll be nice when those things happen again. You're like, wow, I really miss this. Because we haven't had it for I almost forgot how it was, uh, what it was like. 
while we get stuck here on this earth, looking at the scoffers and the problems and the, and the, and the doubts, it drives us farther and farther remembering who God really is. And we forget who is, uh, his character. And it says here, my beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. So it reminds him of that he is in control of time, that he is powerful and he is all gracious and he is loving. They didn't try and remind them that, oh no, here's some technical knowledge from the book of Daniel. Let's flesh out chapter 9 of Daniel and let's splice some hairs from Isaiah and let's get something, some kind of Hebrew exegesis. No, no, no. They reminded them of who God was, bringing them back to the character and the gracious nature of our God. And it says here, and knowing who God is and knowing that he really is in control, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up, knowing who God is, and knowing that he is in full control. That day of the Lord will come. It will happen. We can count on it. It's tied up in who God is. And Let me ask you this. Why are you doubting? What are you doubting about? Is your doubt in any way tied up to your circumstances, tied up in what you see around you, tied up in in the things that are happening and scoffers? And has it driven you from understanding who God is and remembering the gracious God that you know? We can be sure of who God is. We can be sure that he is in control. And since we know he is in control, when it's said here that when the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, they're actually quoting Jesus' words from when he preached in the temple. Okay, when Christ said that the end of the world will come and it'll come suddenly, and he compared it to a thief coming into a house, that it will happen. And what he's saying is that he's reiterating that because of who God is, we know that we can trust the promises of Jesus Christ. He will fulfill his word. And knowing that who Christ is and knowing what he's done for us, we can have full assurance that there's no reason to doubt. Just think of you know, who we were as sinners, lost, condemned, wicked, that Christ would come and die for us then be buried and rose again, showing that not only had he taken our sins, he's paid for it, showing himself as Lord of heaven and earth. Then not only that, when he ascends to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, he stands there in intercession for us right now and will come in glory to rescue us. That our, knowing this, and that we have such a great high priest, as the Bible says, why should we with full assurance to faith come to the throne of grace and trust him and have no reason to doubt whatever circumstances we have? And if you don't know Jesus Christ, let me tell you, your only hope is tied up in the character of God that you are wicked, that you are lost and condemned. You have willingly rejected Christ Jesus. You have no merit and no ability on your own accord to step into heaven. The Bible says this, that, that God commends his love toward us. Now, while we were yet sinners, like in your current state now, I'm sorry, in your current state now, Christ died for you. And in your current state now, you can be rescued from this judgment to come by the grace of God, but nothing that you can do, but just by coming to Jesus Christ and letting him change you. And the Bible says here, seeing then 
that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now, it's kind of the first time, went through this slowly. Seeing then, again, not looking, right, to this world, that all these things shall be dissolved. The way we see it is just that this is temporary until Christ comes. We don't see it like the scoffers do. This is our entire home. We're just pilgrims passing through. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, that knowing that we have God on our side, that we should live the more sure for him, without doubt, with all conviction and holy conversation. And I think that would entail not only interactions between Christians, but even the lost world, with that full assurance of faith and godliness, being exemplifying what it means to live like Christ Jesus and showing him to the world through our our, uh, our, our life through him empowering us through the Holy Spirit. Looking for, again that word, looking for, and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Again, looking for, not here, but that day that comes. And I think this last verse really summarizes the intent of the passage. Nevertheless, we, according to to his promise that he will come as a thief in the night, that we can trust in that it's going to be fulfilled. We look again for the new heaven and a new earth, not here, wherein dwelleth righteousness, where we can live for Christ. Are you doubting? Are you doubting anything? Are you doubting the second coming of Christ? Are you doubting why you should be living like this? There's no reason to. Don't listen to the scoffers. Get your eyes off this world where they're, they're stuck in, in their blindness. Get your eyes on the promises of God and live for him in all holy conversation and righteousness. Oh, sorry, in godliness. And are you doubting something else? Are you doubting your life course and that you feel maybe you've made some big sacrifices? You know, these scoffers can come in the form of maybe even just a coworker telling you maybe you shouldn't be given to church or, you know, taking time off to do a missions trip and should be, should be uh, pursuing financial things and career. That can be very discouraging because, you, well, maybe I should just not, you know, give, give it all to Christ. No, no, no. There's nothing to doubt here. You know what God says. Get your eyes off the world. Get your eyes away from everything here. Get them on on the Lord. Remember who he is and knowing who he is. You just embrace Christ Jesus as your rightful Lord and Savior and just empowered with that knowledge that he's on your side and there's nothing to fear or doubt. Live the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, hey, Father, thanks for this time to just share your word, Lord. I pray that there's anyone here, Lord, who's doubting anything, God, like anything, doubting you has, you know, just not sure that their faith has been shaken, that you would just be gracious enough to encourage them, Lord, with your promises in the Bible, that you really are Lord of heaven and earth, God, and that you would want to see them, you know, just living fruitful lives for you and living in harmony with you and for you, God. I ask you to show us this, this grace today, God. And if anyone who doesn't know Christ has heard this, Lord, that your word would just burden their heart with their need for salvation. That you do that miracle, God, in them that only you can do. Lord, I can only ask this grace in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. 
If you have given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know. Email connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Lastly, feel free to connect with us through social. Just search at Mountain View Whitehorse. Have a blessed week.